first of all, uh, a very good morning. And I really appreciate the idea of this uh, talk. I am not aware if this has been taken up earlier in this way. Uh, we talk about yoga, we talk about the path, we talk about the experiences and realizations, but we usually don't talk about the challenges that we meet on the way. <clears throat> and it's good to be aware because uh, when we are on a journey, on a Himalayan track, it's not enough just to see photographs of the lovely mountains and the lovely lakes. It's also good to know what are the challenges, how to prepare oneself for it. Uh, so to that extent, it's, it's a very interesting and engaging subject. Probably uh, it's, it's a whole workshop because it's a vast and complex area, very subtle. Uh, at the same time, as a prelude, I must mention that uh, um, while we speak about it, yoga, its difficulties and challenges, uh, we must know that, uh, I mean, rather mental difficulties or psychological difficulties uh, when we are on the spiritual path, we must know that um, yoga is an extremely delightful journey so that, you know, we don't start focusing on uh, only the difficulties and challenges. It's a wonderful journey. And like any adventure, Mother has said, it's a, it's a real adventure, adventure in real time and space. So very often when people um, ask about yoga, talk about yoga, at least what I feel like uh, expressing is that yoga takes place in real time. It's not a book journey. Uh, each nature is unique and different. It has its own past. It has its own future. So, um, therefore, each journey in a sense is unique. And yet, there are some common issues. Common issues are there because um, essentially nature is the same. We talk about my nature, your nature, this person's nature, but it's universal nature. Um, it's a kind of force field and this force field of uh, creation as it is today uh, allows evolution up to a certain point and doesn't allow us to go further. And the various kinds of ways, mechanisms it has inbuilt which will help you up to a point but not allow you to go further, that's how it has been made. Uh, so yogis in the past, um, they found a way to cut through this whole web of nature. And I'm not going into, you know, how this web is constituted, though it's very interesting, you know, um, the, the three types of tamasic, rajasic and sattvic prakriti and how they hold us, bind us, create their own illusions. There are various kinds of illusions uh, before we talk about the grand illusion that made the stars. Uh, for instance, um, there is the illusion of knowledge. Uh, we read books and we think we know. Uh, it's, it's very different from real experience. There is an illusion of work. People are busy whole day and they, you know, it can very well get into that I'm doing mother's work. It can lead to exaggerated sense of self-importance, ambition, egoism, very contrary to what the yoga is meant to really create. Um, then there is an illusion even of bhakti that, you know, I am a great bhakta. And this ego of bhakti can itself become a big stumble on the path. So there are many of these things. As I said, it's a vast and complex subject. Uh, probably a whole day would be insufficient. But nevertheless, just to start with, uh, in 1940s, when a lot of people started coming to the ashram, partly because of the world war, then, you know, the school had started. So, the mother um, gave a message, it's a wonderful uh, reading, and, and I really suggest that uh, it should be almost given as a handout. At one point of time, 
it used to be given and it's called an advice to newcomers. Uh, very often it's good to remember that we are all newcomers because we are all the time scaling new heights. So we are a newcomer at every level. And the beauty of this note is it really applies right through. And the mother describes a very interesting phenomena which I'm sure many of us are familiar with. That when people come to take up the yoga, they are uh, full of enthusiasm, they are, uh, you know, everything appears wonderful. Uh, the dining room food is the tastiest food, all the people appear holy and saintly and everything is just superb. But as things go by, she says, the same food begins to appear as, you know, tasteless and one begins to start complaining. The same people who appeared so saintly, one begins to see through them that, look, you know, this man I thought as saintly, but look how much, how angry he gets and uh, how, uh, you know, absurd she is and so on and so forth. And she says, uh, they end up complaining and grudging and eventually concentrated only on themselves and she describes something very interesting. She says that uh, then they start drawing words, quotations from Mother and Shubindo to justify their own way of life. For instance, to worry about the body is very naturally inbuilt in human uh, organism. But here the worry takes a spiritual colouring. I am just giving one example that, ah, Mother has said that the yoga of transformation is ultimately physical. So one gets focused on the body and the bodily needs and is so focused about Sometimes can go to fads, it can go to all kinds of fantastic things that, you know, people do um, just to take care of the body, whereas deep inside there is fear. You know, uh, I was, once I met a person during my practice who came and said, you know, this is the yoga meant for me. I said, wonderful, this is very good. Uh, um, but, you know, what brought you to yoga? He said something very interesting. He said, you know, basically this is the only yoga which can grant immortality. So, you know, one becomes very cautious <laughs> when one hears such things. So I said, yes, immortality, fine, but what do you mean by that? He said, you know, I am very afraid of death. Every night I sleep, I am afraid of death. So I thought this is the only yoga which can grant me immortality. So that's why I have taken to yoga. So I have to remind that mother says that before we can... Uh, even become a candidate for immortality, we have to be completely free of all fear of death. So it's a paradox. If one is afraid of death, one is not a candidate for immortality. So there are many such things. And so she gives a very interesting solution, but we'll read that solution toward the end. Let, let's first face the problem and start from there. So uh, when, in another place, she says something very interesting in the very beginning of a conversation, this 47, in 1929, if you read the very first uh, conversation of the mother, that's the time when she would, um, they would, few of them would come out of the ashram, go to, I mean, different places, the, a group of disciples would sit together and they would raise questions and she would give answers. So she is asked, uh, tell us something about yoga. Very interestingly, mother starts with this, that first question you have to answer is, why have you come for yoga? And then she makes it very clear to satisfy ambition. Sometimes it is vanity. Ah, yogi is a big guy these days, you know. Yogi means big business. <laughs> Thankfully, she has done away with some of those illusory things like putting a Swami as a prefix and Ananda as a suffix because it gives you a grand illusion that ah, I am already a Siddha. In every ashram, we have the same challenges. It's not an easy thing to, you know, go through nature. 
Even to cut through nature in traditional yoga requires intense, intense focus and concentration. Look at Raman Maharishi, years and years of meditation and concentration before one can cut through. And one such person who has cut through can help, but even then it's not simple and easy for the disciples. Now this is about traditional yoga. Think about like yoga of transformation where the uh, pressure and the work is far greater. It's not just an inner experience, but also outer nature must change which is where the seat of difficulties lie. It's not just moderating nature, but it's transformation. It's not just an individual yoga, but a collective yoga. So each one of us represents the challenges of everybody else. She says that, that like in the ashram context, she says this, and I'm sure this applies. She says, well, um, uh, in the ashram, there are very few people who are really doing the yoga. Achha, what about others? They are giving the experience of the world to those who are doing the yoga. Strange. So what happens to them? Well, they receive anyways the gifts of those who are doing the yoga. It's very interesting. Some do the yoga and everybody receives like in a temple we have the prasadam. So some people do the puja, some people do the, uh, you know, whole ritual. But everybody right down to the outermost person receives the gift of the puja. So it's a collective yoga making it even more challenging and engaging. So she says, first be clear why you want to do yoga. Any ambition is very, very dangerous. It's dangerous. She says, it, it is hidden uh, like a canker, like a worm inside the fruit. And it will show up one day. One of the worst kinds of ambitions, very subtle. Uh, the ego has many masses, like I am doing mother's work. I am a great instrument of the mother. Or simply, I am a sadhak. So now I am a different category. I am eligible for a VIP pass. I can have free entry anywhere. You know, there are so many ways. And uh, I'm sure in Auroville we have the same experience. This state is challenged by everybody around. So you want to walk into the ashram and suddenly somebody will ask you out of the blues, get past, who are you? It's a very good opportunity actually. You know, if we are vigilant, we can make a progress. But sometimes these are the small things where the ego gets hurt. Oh, he doesn't know me. So many years I've been coming here. He doesn't know who I am. So you know, we have lost an opportunity. So like that, she says in the beginning, be very clear why we are doing the yoga. And very beautifully she says, yoga is done for the sake of the divine. Wanting the divine for the sake of the divine. This is the straight road. All other things, um, even yoga for wanting knowledge, for power, for helping humanity, are side roads. And side roads are side roads. Eventually, one connects at some point, but through a lot of difficulties, because it's a side road, you know, that's what Shobindo says in one of his very interesting letters, he says, you know, uh, I entered the super mind through the back door, the mother went through the front door, it's, it's amazing. How did he go through the back door? Because he wanted to take up yoga so that he can have power to liberate the country. Look at this, you know, that's how he engages with yoga. And he calls it the back door because, uh, you know, through various twists and turns and above all grace, he is led into it. But mother, when, when we read the writings of the mother, her prayers, so straight, so direct. Uh, oh, supreme love, teach me to be an instrument of thy love. Such a, you know, just giving, giving, giving oneself. That's the biggest safety. So she says, first thing is why we want to do yoga. It's a fire that will burn. So... Don't touch it unless you are ready to give yourself. And you know, giving oneself means, sounds very nice that, oh, I have to just give myself. You know, Satyajit Ray, the famous filmmaker, he had come to ashram. He had met Sri and he wanted to live in the ashram. 
So he told some sadhak that, look, you know, I, I like it, I want to live here, but I have a big problem. So what is the problem? He said, you know, uh, I am, uh, I want, what about the career? You know, he was keen to make a career in films. He said, you know, I, I am also pulled by the career. So what about my career? So the sadhak replied, this is very simple. The moment you join the ashram, you'll be given a career. First thing, you know, the tiffin career. He said, it's very simple. In all earnestness, he didn't know what is a career. What does it mean to make a career outside? So, you know, but these are things which pull us. And if we engage into yoga with these things veiled inside, they will show up one day and it, it can be a big disaster, you know. So sometimes these things are tackled in the beginning. It is much better if they are tackled in the beginning than when they come later on. Um, in, in the Gita, Sri says that why did Arjuna develop all this attachment before the war? And Sri uh, gives a very unique and novel um, revelation which we find nowhere. He says it was Sri Krishna who brought out these things. Are, why, why did he bring out attachment and all these things? So he says that it was hidden in his nature and had he not brought it out at that moment, he would have suffered in the middle of the war and it would have been a disaster. So many times these things come out of our nature. There are plenty of things hidden which we don't know because we live in a very small zone and in that small zone it's like me and mine and I am good and everybody else is bad or those who flatter me are very good people and those who criticize me are the worst creatures on earth. They are living in falsehood, you know. <laughs> Mother speaks of this that uh, some, she says, you know, People come and tell me, this was regarding a message where she says, speaks of truth. And she says, people come and tell me, Mother, uh, why don't you stand for truth? She said, what do you mean? She said, no, no, that person is uh, eating non-vegetarian food, somebody else is having an affair and they are all in falsehood, you don't stop them. And Mother says that, you know, they all have their shibboleths, some about food, some about this, and they think they are in truth and all others in, are in falsehood. And then she says, not once, not once are they willing to see that this could be just their own opinion, nothing else. Truth has nothing to do with all this, it's so vast, so far. And then she laughs and says, what can I do? I only told them cling to truth. She, she you know, she laughs about it. <laughs> and he says, I only told them, but I should have told them that truth is not your opinion. Truth is not what you believe it to be, it's something... Uh, very different. So one of the first thing that she cautions in that same conversation is uh, that the person asks that what do we do to prepare for yoga? And I think that's a very, uh, very important thing because she says be conscious. I think this simple thing can save us from a lot of things, just to be conscious. And one way to become conscious is of course um, reading. Um, it's a very indirect way but I think it is also important. This is something which I find very often, at least in the ashram context, it's missing. Uh, because one takes for granted that now I have come, I have joined the ashram or I have joined Auroville. Therefore, I know everything about yoga. One is carrying a lot of notions. But one doesn't realize that these are just my notions. Maybe I have read some books, maybe I have read about traditional yoga. Maybe they are just some suggestions in my mind and therefore I believe. You know, there is a conversation of mother about the supramental ship. And she says that when I saw the supramental standpoint, I laughed and laughed and laughed. So the disciple asked, why, why, what happened? She says, I realized many things that people consider important from the traditional point of view have no importance at all from the supramental standpoint.
So she is asked, what do you mean? She said, for example, in India there is this idea of ascetic purity. It has no importance. And people put themselves into knots after knots. Uh, I have seen people having this guilt that they cannot get up at four o'clock. I mean, it's, it's amazing. This kind of things can really knock us down, sap our energy. We are struggling against an unreal difficulty. Already there are enough challenges, but struggling against difficulties which are self-created. And then she speaks also about sanctity of marriage. And then she is asked that, look, what is then the supramental standpoint? She says, it's not moral but psychological. It doesn't mean being immoral. But she says, the psychological standpoint is wideness, plasticity and equanimity. And I think this is a wonderful base. One of the first practices, if you see, one of the first books that came out from the ashram was Basis of Yoga. Uh, which are primarily letters of Sri and the very first chapter is peace, calm, peace, equanimity. It's the foundation. We can't have anything without this foundation. And we have countless opportunities to practice calm, peace, equanimity uh, when the lights are not there. In India, too, India is meant for yoga. You will have plenty of opportunity to practice equanimity. Go out on the traffic and you will, you cannot navigate Unless you have the equanimity, no? Because nothing is in order. <laughs> there are holes, there are narrow roads, there are suddenly wide roads, but nobody follows the system. So, for yoga it is very good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> because one, one has to practice. Somebody will say something which is very insulting. When someone asked uh, mother about, uh, you know, that so-and-so um, insults me very much, what should I do? And mother didn't say, oh, I will call him, I will write a letter, he shouldn't behave like this. She instead told this gentleman that, look, uh, it is the ego that gets insulted, the soul never feels any insult. So that was the end of the story. So everything is such an opportunity when we become conscious. So one is reading, second is applying it. That every little, and very, she also cautions that it's easy to be careful and conscious when there are big issues. But very difficult to... Uh, notice the small pebbles on the way and that's where one stumbles. A casual remark, a casual, nowadays we have WhatsApp and message and you know, it, it is enough to derail the whole process. And this of course is an everyday thing where we have a cushion and we bounce back. But there are many, sometimes this derailment can take very serious uh, uh, expressions. I mean, I have seen people and it's very... Initially, I used to find it very strange that somebody who has lived, say, for 40 years, 50 years, suddenly goes into a state of despair and depression. And if you ask, like, when you probe it further that, you know, what, oh, I couldn't achieve what I came to achieve. So, you know, it is setting the cart before the horse. Yoga is not an achievement. It's not like a, you know, in a typical CEO sets a target, finish this task by so-and-so date, cut-off date. It's not an achievement. So yoga is all about giving. So the only achievement is how much I could give. How much is still left to be given. Have I given my thoughts? Have I given my feelings? Then one is uh, treading on a very safe territory. But if one is trying to achieve, you know, like comparisons, ambitions that so-and-so has this experience, I don't have it. Uh, when will I have the experience? <laughs> the only experience worthwhile is to 
uh, is is ultimately the experience of love it's it's a very powerful experience and if one can have it all else is contained in it this is a cushion mother speaks about it that one has many falls uh, and one rises various reasons for it there is the subconscious which pulls us there is the blind driven inertia it doesn't allow us to go beyond a certain point uh, then there is um, all kinds of things which will enter from all sides into the mind as suggestions and all these difficulties which lead to the up and down movement of sadhana very beautifully described uh, in savitri Uh, and yet there is a cushion which prevents us from breaking our bone and she says very beautifully that cushion is divine love she says it's a mattress below you so if you if we have you know we don't practice judo and karate without this mattress so when the mattress is there then uh, it springs us back it absorbs the whole thing when this mattress is not there when one is all relying on oneself tapasya 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 then uh, one advances but the moment one leaves hands it's all gone so she speaks of becoming conscious and which means to be vigilant about what's happening inside us uh, now this vigilance can be of two kinds there also she makes it very uh, interesting one is vigilance where we discover something and take it as an opportunity for progress and progress this can happen with practically any movement literally any movement i mean there are letters to shurbindo uh, someone has written that in such a state uh, maybe while walking in a market or maybe while lying on the bed i suddenly had this experience and shurbindo has ratified it yes how could i have it in this condition and shurbindo says why what is the reason i am not going into the details of the letter it's it's a famous letter by eleanor montgomery those of us who are interested can find it we know you know she was a fashion designer in new york but on the other hand uh, it, it is just the opposite you know we uh, become vigilant in the sense we keep on developing a very critical attitude towards ourselves and the mother has used the word for it as sensors sensors uh, tag along they are like tags the moment we start the journey some sensors get attached to us and she says that even with her she says um, right from my birth Uh, they were attached to me and it took me long time to shake it off and what is the task of these sensors they will um, you know very often when people talk about voice of the soul they are not speaking of soul but of conscience conscience is a construct of the mind it's it's not the voice of the soul so they start uh, they become very consentious and for every small thing they start developing guilt these sensors keep pointing you are wrong you are bad Uh, which in indian tradition we use the word tamasic ego where we are still concentrated on upon myself when i say i am bad it's still me when i say i am worthless it's still me when i say i am useless still me i am unfit still me so none of us can be fit by our own efforts repeatedly shubhendra and the mother remind us that it is the grace which makes us fit so when again when people come to the ashram so sometimes they come and uh, ask uh, about you know, what is it like here say so, see like any any country new country you go you should know the basic rules of the country if you know the rules you are safe so they ask what are the rules of living here so sometime we uh, give them the standard rules given in a booklet no they are not the basic rules the fundamental rule is what shubhendu gave in the beginning and the rule is that look 
this place belongs to mother refer everything to her do not hide anything from her offer everything to her you are safe if you forget that then it's dangerous because this is the rule here shobindo gave it so beautifully the first rule he ever gave to a sadhak and after that mother would say i am not in the habit of giving rules i don't like to give rules uh, so that rule is so beautiful it's it's called as the golden rule and uh, that rule is simply always behave as if the mother is looking at you because she is indeed always present such a simple rule enough to transform our lives because under the pressure of transformation many things will emerge this this is a tremendous challenge especially in uh, fields like auroville in ashram there is tremendous pressure for transformation i mean uh, people sometimes don't realize and uh, very often people ask me that look you know we thought in the ashram everybody will be so peaceful look at look at me there are people who have cried sitting at guest house there was a gentleman who was from the army and you know army people are very fond of narrating their war tales so at the ashram reception desk of a uh, guest house this person was narrating you know i am a colonel so and so in this war and this fellow uh, like a typical reception guy after a while say okay 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 you don't have to narrate all these stories now you know he was shocked uh, he knew me he came he was in tears he said what kind of ashram is this i said look at it this way this was your entry pass if you can go through this test you will be admitted <laughs> if you can't bear this uh, you know it's an intense pressure of the sun it's you know the same sun which gives uh, gives us warmth is so such a pleasant sun today now as the heat grows in summer when sadhana is in its intensity the same sun you feel oh my god i wish i had a cooling shed or as this say here you know cooling glasses cooling glasses what i don't want to see all this <laughs> it is good to have something dark over the eyes because it's difficult and as we go nearer and nearer it becomes more and more difficult because many things hidden in the nature begin to come out if we get into that state of censor we end up in despair but mother gives us a very simple way you know shobindo gave up way of rejection rejection is not easy heroic souls can do it but when mother was asked she said uh, she said more than rejection what helps is offering so to keep offering to keep offering everything that comes out without shame without guilt they sap away all our energies shame and guilt and depression they they are not helping i mean one of the signs that one is really getting close anywhere is peace and joy in the heart and very simple barometer when often people ask what are the stages of this yoga well two fundamental stages if you have peace and joy in the heart you are on the course <laughs> wherever you are going but if that is missing or when we think we are struck with agitation anger sadness it's time to take a re look inside and then very often we take this attitude of so and so is bad everybody is bad begin to complain we get angry whereas ultimately we have to look inside that uh, not not with this idea that i am bad no uh, one has to separate from nature that well these movements are within me and i am seeing in the world what is inside me it's a very simple test and she speaks about it that this projection as a mechanism in psychology we use the word projection and very often i see this commonly at least in the ashram context one of the commonest defense mechanisms is projection 
So whatever is inside, people immediately see it in others and become hypercritical. Uh, but whereas, uh, you know, one has to look inside and look inside not that I am this. Uh, it's a very subtle surgery. Uh, this difficulty is in nature, I am not this difficulty. But this is given to me for work. It's like when I come to an office, it's my workplace, I have to do a work. If it is dirty, it has to be cleaned. But this is not my home. My home is here inside, which is a beautiful space. So this is nature and this is me. So one of the fundamental practices that Shubindo speaks of is detachment. Just like peace and equanimity, to detach oneself from the movement of nature. Detachment is not from others uh, and shutting oneself into a shell of uh, I am doing yoga. See again, this is a wonderful thing, detachment. But this can be taken to be that I isolate myself and when people would say like you, they won't use the word like you. But they would say now I am not stepping out. Uh, you know, there were people who, who would want not go to dining room. Food has to be supplied there. Why? Because we are engaged in intense yoga. So when this was asked to Sri Aurobindo, he said, more likely than not, it is likely to take your mind into strange subjective lands. You know, we know about this challenge called the intermediate zone. There are immense forces in the creation. We are not aware, which do not want us to go one step further. And it creates all kinds of illusions. And one of the common thing is experiences. So, uh, I remember a small little story once there was... In Delhi, we used to go and read at, uh, at, a, at a center, a relic center. Just a few minutes more we'll take and then we'll open it to, for interaction. So, you know, um, there was a course, uh, course in some healing. I'm not going to put the prefix. <laughs> we all can understand. See, in this healing, um, there was a master who was uh, giving a basic training uh, which involved some 2,000 rupees. This about... 15 years back or 20 years back. Then for the next level, you had to pay 5,000. Next level, 10,000. You know? So these people who had just come, new entrant, 2,000 rupees. And one of them, we overheard, we were reading and we used to wonder what is happening. So one of them is telling this master, you know, yesterday, while I was doing this practice, I saw an orange light. And he tells a little more loudly, yes, yes, now you have seen the supramental. I'm telling you first hand, you know, and we didn't know whether to laugh or <laughs> whether, to <laughs> whether to share it or speak about it. Uh, this, this kind of a yoga is not a like cakewalk. It, it's, it, as I said, it takes place in real time. Uh, it is through many forests, uncharted territories, jungles, and that's why uh, one has to be a samurai when one goes through it. This is very important, like a warrior. And um, that's why mother would say, if you cannot take the issues of normal life, it's very difficult to go through the much greater, tougher battles of yoga because here the battle is inside with an unseen enemy. And the name of the enemy is me, ego. <laughs> it's, it's a strange enemy. And he invites all kinds of beings from all over creation. We use terms like adverse forces, hostile forces, but... They are all creatures of creation and it wants to strengthen itself. People get these suggestions, I am very special. They don't speak about it. I am an advanced yogi. I am a sadhak of integral yoga. I am a special person. Now these are suggestions which one has to be very, very careful 
encounter. It can take various forms and I am not going into it. Many masks it can wear and uh, keep on offering. What saves? She says one thing is humility. Humility, not before others that yes, I am nobody and nothing. That's again a aggrandizement. But humility that before the divine, before the infinite, what can anything be? I mean, the whole creation is nothing but a small pebble, a grain of dust before her infinity. How in Savitri Shubindu describes her, the whole world could live in a single ray of her sun. Whole creation, it's nothing. And in that state is also described in Savitri where uh, she says, Arcturus and Belfajor appear like a transient storm. The burning of galaxies, what is it? So, uh, this self-importance we give, uh, that should be out. Humility, like vigilance. And then of course sincerity, to recognize. Before that, just a basic honesty that look, you know, uh, it is there. And uh, sometimes uh, to release the energy of love on these things, uh, I had a strange experience, the place where I am living now, Desiree, everybody told there are ghosts here and this and that. I said, okay, uh, all mother's children are super ghosts. So, you know, <laughs> if we can handle human beings, we can handle ghosts. They are easy creatures. Uh, they are not uh, difficult fellows. Human beings are the difficult fellows. So, sure enough, uh, within two, three days, I started getting all these uh, uh, fellows coming and, you know, while I am sleeping. So, I said, what is this nonsense? So, one day, you know, there was a, a tree there and I, I just had a feeling that this is where they are lodging. So, I stood by the side of the tree and I said, look, I don't mean to trouble all of you. You guys are nice guys and I know you are very troubled. Please, peace be on you. And all that I can say is that I love you and mother loves you and she will take you in your embrace. And in the meditation hall, I told the mother, mother, there are some very troubled creatures. They are full of, you know, uh, because they are troubled, they are going and troubling everybody, you know. Uh, so, Ma, please uh, take them in your embrace. I am sure they are in your embrace, but I am just uh, <laughs> reminding <laughs> uh, your love for them. And believe me, from next day everything gone. It's, it's, it was such a wonderful, simple way. And I thought, why can't I do it with human beings, you know, who trouble us? <laughs> Uh, so I said, yeah, this is a good way. When people are very angry at us, sometimes they get angry. You know, they, it's okay. It's, I mean, we shouldn't take these things so seriously. She is so beautifully, she has said, uh, bitterness is on the surface. In the heart, there is always love. It's a surface thing. It's okay. People live in the ego. Like she says, if you work on yourself, you discover, a, you, you become, have a sunny tolerance towards other. A generosity because, you know, it's not easy. People react, but deep inside there is love. So to release this energy of love, it's okay. I know you are angry, it's, it's fine. How does one treat a child? One doesn't become cross and say, I am never going to speak to you. Sometimes it happens, you know, it's, it's fine, this life. And to offer that person peacefully to the mother that Ma, he is so disturbed, you know. He was so angry with me. But instead we go and say, Mother, I am so angry, this fellow, you know. Please, he should not be here anymore. Uh, <laughs> let's pray for his peace, her peace and everybody's peace. And that comes, uh, this little passage I'll read and then we will uh, open for interaction. So, um, how does it come? She gives us a master remedy. Uh, this is, I'm now connecting with the very first passage which we spoke about. People come, they are full of joy, enthusiasm, everything is wonderful. And then later on, they start complaining and grudging. It's a strange phenomena. 
We should be full of peace and joy, more and more, but it happens otherwise. And she says it's because the old nature comes back. It doesn't leave us. Only for a moment we have been entered that beatific state. There is a part in us which has been called. But man's nature is extremely complex. After some time that other part comes in and says why we are not getting rasgulla in the dining room. Sit. Now what to do? Initially it's all surrender. I have surrendered myself. Now next is that well where is the rasgulla, my favorite one? So, rasgulla can take many forms, you know, it can take form of a simple sweetmeat to uh, comforts, to, you know, human relationships, to anything. So, where is my share of rasgulla? So, <laughs> old nature comes back with all its demands. And there she says, You might well ask, what is the remedy for this state of affairs? What is this state of affairs? Taking support from Shurabindo's teaching that the body is an indispensable basis for the yoga, that it should not be neglected and that, on the contrary, great care should be given to it, the physical consciousness concentrates almost exclusively on the body. This is practically impossible for, with a very few exceptions, the more it is given, the more it demands. Besides, the physical being is ignorant and blind. It is full of false notions. Here she is speaking of our entire uh, physical nature, earth nature. Preconceived ideas, prejudices and preferences. Indeed, it cannot deal effectively. Only the psychic consciousness has the knowledge and the insight needed to do the right thing in the right way. So she says, what is the remedy? For here we are going round in a vicious circle. If we get caught into this circle, there is no end to it. Since the whole trouble comes from drawing away from the psychic. And only the psychic can find the solution to the problems. There is consequently only one remedy. Be on your guard. Hold fast to the psychic. Do not allow anything in your consciousness to slip in between your psychic and yourself. Close your ears and your understanding to all other suggestions and rely only on the psychic. And plenty of such suggestions. One last story, you know, uh, Ved Prakashji, sometimes people have seen him here uh, with Parkinson's disease, still the will and he would, he has even come to Savitri Bhavan then to attend the talk. He could not walk. He could, uh, you know, advanced stage of Parkinsonism. But still somehow, of course, people helped him. He managed to come, that kind of will. So he was a professor in economics and very uh, highly educated person. So when he came, mother gave him work in the dining room for uh, washing and these things. Later on he became the in-charge. So someone asked him, what is it? You are such a learned person. Don't you think it's wrong uh, that you have been given this kind of work? You would be wonderful in teaching. Uh, so he said, no, mother knows what is best for my progress. I need this for my progress. This is a psychic state. So we'll just give a break here. As I said, it's a very vast, complex and subtle subject. I'm sure there are many issues which have not been touched, but just a broad overview, which we hope to touch if there is uh, interaction or comments, suggestions.